about a week ago, it arrived by mail. A paperback catalog measuring about an inch thick at 340 pages. On the front cover, a silver star emerges out of the glossy black shadows. It is embedded in a blue circle, which is surrounded by a deep red ring, a whitish silver one highlighting its spun aluminum, and a larger outer red ring. Together, those elements form the star and stripes we associate with the American flag, and with one of the most iconic comic book characters of all time, Marvel's Captain America. The cover's image proudly displays Captain America's screen-used shield from the 2019 movie Avengers Endgame. Sixteen other spotlight pieces fill the back cover. Comics like An Amazing Fantasy 15, famously introducing Spider-Man to the world, and the first issues of Fantastic Four and the X-Men line the top. Underneath them are two momentous comic strips, a Peanuts cartoon created by Charles Schultz and one of the earliest surviving examples of a Mickey Mouse strip from 1930. An ornate bandana from 1964 displaying an image of President Abraham Lincoln sits above a rare Led Zeppelin concert poster in the bottom left-hand corner of the cover. To the far right of it is an uncut proof sheet of Pokemon holographic cards from 1999. Above it is Mickey Mantle's second Topps card from 1953, autographed and authenticated. And for Star Wars fans, the cover contains two of the most iconic toys ever produced. A carded double-telescoping Luke Skywalker figure and a sealed boxed Millennium Falcon spaceship. And that was only the cover. I can't wait to see what's inside. This is a glimpse into the Hakes catalog for Autumn's Auction number 233. This is a look into the Star Wars segment of the auction, together with a friend and fellow collector for the first time. This is the excitement and anticipation that comes with a pop culture event like a Hakes auction. This is usually the moment where our wallets run and hide. And this is Star Wars, Prototypes and Production. summer edition of the Hakes Auction, my friend and fellow collector Matt George contacted me with an interesting idea. He had listened to my wrap-up of Auction 232 and suggested doing an episode in which he and I opened the next auction's catalog for the first time together and discuss the Star Wars collectibles coming up for sale. 
In addition to being a thoughtful and funny guy, Matt also loves Star Wars and the toys Kenner and Hasbro created. Along with Gary Borbidge and Stephen Ward, Matt co-wrote Engineering an Empire, which spotlighted many of the Kenner employees who created and designed the Star Wars toy line. Matt has an immense knowledge of the films and the collectibles, but it is his passion that makes him the perfect companion with whom to explore the latest vintage Star Wars auction. And when it comes to Star Wars toys, Hakes has become the premier auction house for the rarest and most desirable prototypes and production pieces in the galaxy. Over the past few weeks, the Hakes auction catalog has made its way to households across the country and has become extremely popular among international bidders and collectors as well. So join us on this crisp fall evening as Matt and I go through the Star Wars section of the catalog, page by page, and discuss the items that excite us as collectors in the era of the Force. Grab your favorite hot beverage, pull up a chair to the table, and let's explore the Hakes Auction together, number 233. George, I am so glad that we're getting a chance to do this. Um, this was your idea, no, no, and it's no, come to fruition. Not my idea. <laughs> I got to give credit where credit's due. First of all, before we get into it, I need to apologize for the last time I was on. Um, I very rarely go back and listen to myself because I hate the way I talk. I don't know. But um, I had this like clicking noise. Every time I would start to say something, I had this like loud popping noise that my lips made. <laughs> So I, 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 I drank some water. I'm, I got some chapstick. Um, I'm doing everything I can to prevent that clicking noise. I'm, I'm aware of it. I'm not closing my mouth at all during the, the entire interview here. So um, if I do let one slip, I apologize. Uh, that's all I could hear on the re-listen was this stupid clicking noise. So anyway, that said, it's in the past. I apologize. We'll do better this time. It is. We are we are set. The clicking is gone. Hopefully, of course. Now that's what people are going to be listening to. Uh, what take, our friends it, are, are. Yeah, we could do like a drinking game. Uh, take a shot every time <laughs> Matt clicks his lips. Drunk by page two eighty nine. <laughs> um, no, knowing the, okay. the, uh, the people that listen to this, it, it would not shock me. Kenner collector friends and Star Wars collector friends and Hasbro collector friends. Um, okay, so we are diving into the fall 2021 Hakes edition uh, of their catalog, and um, we are at the Star Wars uh, segment. We we both have our catalogs open to the first page. Yeah, I do, oh, real quick, before we dive in, yeah, you mentioned this was my idea, and I kind of got sidetracked. It's not my idea. I got to give credit where credit's due. Um, this is going to be a kind of a plug for one of my favorite podcasts out there, David Mandel, 
his uh, stuff that dreams are made of, a movie prop collecting podcast. Even if you don't collect props, give it a listen. It's it's one of the better collecting podcasts out there. Um, anyway, so whenever they get their prop store or uh, whatever the prop collecting auctions are out there, um, him and his co-host sit down and just go through the catalog sight unseen for the first time together, and they kind of banter back and forth and talk about you know, all kind of different things about the, the auction pieces they're looking at, history of some of the pieces. Um, they provide some tips on, you know, collecting what to look for, um, if stuff was screen matched, production used, um, what the differences are. Anyway, that's where kind of this idea came from. I know that, uh, you know, Hakes has some pretty regular Star Wars auctions, so I thought it would be a good idea to draft off of their good idea. Um, anyway, we landed here. I'm glad you were open to it. Uh, I think it could be a lot of fun. Absolutely, and and uh, David and Ryan, uh, we love your podcast. It, it is it's a really interesting look at at the prop world, um, and and really what we've taken from uh, your catalog day episodes is the excitement that you have and, and the anticipation that comes with the, the the different items that you're looking at together for the first time as friends. And so, Matt, you're right. Like if if we can emulate that. Um, I think there's something really special about that. And it's nice to bring that to the, the star Wars toy and collectible world as well too. So, uh, so this is the the first one that we're doing and, and hopefully uh, the, the first of, of a few. To yeah, come. definitely provide feedback. Um, what works, what doesn't work, what you'd like to hear more of. If there's something out there that, that uh, you think we can make the podcast better uh, with respect to these catalog episodes, please shoot us a note. <laughs> Terrific. All right. So we are going to open up to the first page and uh, it is page 287 in the catalog. Uh, so if you do have a catalog and want to flip along with us uh, to take a look at the items, um, the Hicks catalog is, is really incredible. I, this one uh, tops out at 340 pages. Um, the pictures are absolutely gorgeous. Uh, a lot of the text is incredibly informative. Um, it, it really gives a bidder or someone who's interested in the hobby an idea of of these pieces that that we're all looking at, especially for the first time. Um, so, Matt, what do you see on the first page? I think what I let me start off with what I don't see. I don't see a rocket fed. It shows you how rare they are. Where they're not even in this Hakes auction. I mean, they've been in like the last like twelve auctions, but they're not in this one. I was I was shocked. This is the first uh, the first Hakes I can remember where there's not a, a rocket fed. Yeah, that was the first thing that crossed my mind when I got the catalog. Um, on the cover, there's a, a picture of um, Captain America's hero shield from uh, Avengers Endgame, and as I flipped to the the back cover. Um, I thought surely there has to be a rocket fed, and and this is really the first one in in a while uh, where we haven't seen a rocket fed touted as one of the main pieces within an auction. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of cool to see see them pop up uh, during these auctions just to see how they go for. Like the market on those things is crazy, but anyway, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure that there'll be one in the next one or two. Um, Probably, absolutely. But anyway, on to what is in here. Looks like we're starting off with a poor man's first shot. Here we got a an EP <laughs> with business card. I guess they encased the business card too. That's kind of cool. So, for people who don't know, what is an engineering pilot or an EP? So, an EP is kind of like the last stage before they go into full production. So, basically, these are the first toys that come off the production line. 
and they'll run, you know, many, 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 many dozen and send them over to, to Kenner for product testing. Cause these are the, you know, the, the molds that are going to make the final figures and, um, they have to make sure that the, the, the toys that the kids are getting are, you know, safe and, you know, they're not going to swallow. So they do a lot of, um, age testing and product reliability testing. Um, they do a lot of pull testing to make sure that no loose parts, um, uh, no parts of the toys come loose and, you know, become a choking hazard. Interesting note here. Um, I recently found out from one of the guys over that worked over um, in the liaison engineering department that the two-piece double telescoping, which we'll talk about here in a second with the Vader, but the the DT was killed because it failed the pull test. So they would hang, I think, like a – I don't remember what the weight was, but they would um, put a significant amount of weight um, on – each of the accessory pieces to make sure they didn't snap or whatever. And, and the, the two piece construction snapped pretty easily. So that was the reason why the, the DTs were killed um, was, you know, in this testing phase, they just never, um, they just didn't pass the test. So that's why a couple of the, you know, some of the, the DTs show up from time to time on card um, because they, they were ready to go with them. Uh, it was just kind of at that last moment when, when they had to pull the plug on them. Uh, but anyway, this this particular piece looks like it originated from Stephen Gimperline. He was in uh, quality control, uh, so he would he would have been one of the ones that would have tested these toys uh, at Kenner back in uh, call it late seventy seven. A couple of really key pieces that have uh, come up over the last couple of years, kind of behind the scenes. I, I think a lot of folks haven't seen these, so I won't kind of. Uh, go into too much detail, but a, a couple of really awesome rocket firing Boba Fett's originated from Steve Gemper line. Um, uh, I think they were like sealed in the baggies still. And I think he had a couple of them. Um, but anyway, uh, a lot of first shots and EPs and it came into the collector world from Steve um, as a result of those, those finds of the, uh, the rocket Fett's. Uh, so this looks like probably one of those uh, that was a part of uh, his collection. And it's cool to see the his business card cased up with the Luke. I think that'll um, add a significant amount of value to this at the end of the day. Um, anything Anytime you see a Luke pre-production piece, uh, it, the interest is uh, driven up quite a bit. Very few of them come to the, to the collector market these days. Uh, so very curious to see what this one this one does. This looks like well, the one uh, one of the ones that uh, has a has a two on the bottom. Um, so th- they would write kind of codes on the bottom just to for kind of the record keeping purposes. So um, you a lot of times you'll see like an A six or U six. So the A would be aged and six would be the number in that series. So they would test you know uh, six, twelve, however many they would put in their run. Um, and then they would just make their notes based on kind of the, the outputs from the tests. Um, and they would, you know, have the, the coding system there on the bottom of the feet to match up with the record so they could keep everything straight. But, um, this looks like probably one of the ones that went through one of these tests. I don't see an A or a U on it. So, uh, it wasn't a part of the aging testing process. It was a part of another, uh, QC process, but anyway, it's a pretty cool piece as far as EPs go. You're right. Very few Lukes actually come up um, for sale. Um, I, I believe the last Hakes auction had an EP 
a Luke EP. But other than that, I mean, we really don't see a lot of original Luke pieces come up. Yeah, very few. There's very few out there to begin with. Um, and when people get them, they don't really want to let them go. Um, you know, I don't know if you know this, the, the listeners, I don't know if they know this or not, but the first 12, I don't think there have been any hard copies that have turned up other than like Chewbacca's arms and a, and a couple versions of the, or examples of the large head Han Solo. Um, I've heard a rumor. I've heard the head. Yeah, just, just the, head. the head. I've heard a rumor of a stormtrooper surfacing, but I, I haven't seen a photo of it. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, anyway, there's, there's, very few examples of Luke out there just because the hard copy stage and uh, the, the, the hard copy stage hasn't turned up the wax, the original Luke wax was turned repurposed into the Luke Bespin wax. So uh, they used the exact same head, the head carried forward from farm boy into uh, Luke empire. And, uh, the body was just kind of sculpted over and, and made to look like the, the Bespin fatigues for, for empire. Uh, and first shot wise, um, you know, I'm aware of, you know, between a half dozen and a dozen examples. Um, and yeah, there's, a some that have like an ejector pin marking on the back, but you know, there's just a couple that, uh, that have turned up over the years and, and folks just hang on to them because it's Luke and they're hard to find. So uh, EPs have been the, the, the kind of the, the versions that have traded hands the most here over the last couple of years. And, and even then it's very infrequent. Right. And it almost seems like for this particular figure, the EPs have become the equivalents of first shots and first shots have become the equivalents of, um, of hard copies. Yeah. That's a fair way to look at it. Yeah. Um, we haven't seen many Luke first shots traded publicly really over the last, you know, five or six years since I've really been keeping up with that market. Um, so I'd be curious to see what this goes for. It has it down here at a thousand bucks is what the, uh, the estimate is. I, it'll blow way past that. Well, that it's the starting, yeah. that's the starting the, bid. The estimate is, the estimate? um, 2000 to 5,000. Okay. Yeah. I think it'll, uh, it'll get well, uh, well past it, but it'll get towards the higher end of that range and, um. Yeah, be curious to see uh, how much it goes for. I'd like, I'd like to see it compared to kind of what one without the business card goes for, just to see what kind of uh, of a premium comes with that business card. Okay, so the 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 engineering pilot that sold in the last Hakes auction, the the Luke sold for uh, almost thirty four hundred dollars with the buyer's premium, and that was without a card. Yeah, I think we'll see this closer to that five thousand dollar mark. Yeah, I think it could even hit the six to eight thousand dollar mark just because really there are so few pieces out there. Um, and I think that this business card has that opportunity to really boost the overall price because of the, the beautiful display that CAS did. Yeah, and I haven't really I haven't seen what's uh, it's the first time I've looked at this. So I haven't seen what else is available in this auction. Um, if there aren't like the, the number of key pieces that were in that last auction, I guess, it, you know, there's. I guess fewer if there's fewer bigger high profile high ticket items that could help this piece um just by kind of default you know if um, someone's got mm-hmm. money to spend and there's not a twenty five thousand dollar figure or whatever um you know that could help this the uh, the interest in this piece climb too so that'll be worth uh worth paying attention to for sure. I'm curious to see what this ends up at sure and speaking of 
a kind of bigger ticket or, or you know bigger spotlighted items uh right next to it is a loose Darth Vader with a prototype uh, double telescoping saber and um it's been graded and it's been graded at a 40 um which the equivalent is is uh or the, the designation is good uh for for that um likely because of the the the, the saber has has wear to it and um it says that a small portion of the inner filament uh, is remaining in it, and it's stuck, and it can't be extended. Interesting. Interesting. So this is a. Let's see what the the range here is on this one: five thousand to ten thousand. Um, DT market's been interesting um, over the last, call it seven years. Um, I kind of it kind of hit its height maybe about three years ago or so. Um, but this is, you know, you start talking about proto savers, and yeah, you know, you're talking about a new ball game here. It's interesting that it's it's a proto saber, but matched up with looks like just a loose standard production figure. Um, I don't know if they would have come like that together, but um, I don't know. That's interesting. I think that uh, yeah, five to ten thousands. I think uh, probably good range. I think it should, you know, hit towards the uh, the high end of that as well, like the Luke. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I've seen a lot of the prototype sabers turn up with uh, EPs. Um, I used to have one that had, it was a proto-saber, the Circles version, um, and it turned up with a, a Vader that, on the back of the leg, where it said Hong Kong, like made in Hong Kong, the G was missing from Hong and Kong. So it was Hong yes. Kong, I think it was, or I think it was just missing from, from the Hong. But, um, a couple have turned up like that where the, the letter was missing and it's usually turned up with either a proto cape or a proto saber. So that tells me it was probably um, in kind of that EP phase where, you know, they were going through some testing and noticed that, okay, you misspelled the the country name here. So um, uh, it's interesting. This one's just a standard production figure, but I don't know. I don't think that'll hurt the value. Mm-hmm. People are buying this because of the, the saber. Right. And I mean, in addition to it being a double telescoping saber, it is a prototype. Uh, I, I know of, I think, two or three others um, that, I, that I've seen before. Um, I actually helped a friend identify one. He didn't even realize that he had a prototype saber. Um, but uh, but yeah, well, and I mean, of course, then there are like the what they call like the mushroom tip sabers as well, too. But this doesn't appear to be that. This appears to be just a regular um, DT saber. Yeah, and usually you can tell the production ones from the prototype ones. The productions will have a little white indentation there towards the uh, the the tip of the outer. That's where it would have mm-hmm. come off of the sprue. Um, and then the production uh, the the, the prototypes uh, didn't come off of a sprue, um, so they they don't have those markings. They usually have like a circles uh, where they would have been taken out of the mold. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I can't quite tell. Uh, by looking at this, if it's a circles variant or some other type of of iteration of of the prototype saber, does not look to your to your point. Doesn't look to be a mushroom tip. I think they would have would have uh, would have called that out. I think there's a way to distinguish that without seeing the tip. Um, I, I think I've seen a couple graded mushroom tips where they didn't actually have the mushroom tip. So um, I think that's a tell here that, that oh, it's not labeled okay. as such. So. Anyway, mm-hmm. this is a uh, you know pretty good pretty good first page here. Um, not quite rocket fet, but still some some interesting <laughs> uh, chum to throw in the water here early. 
Yeah. All right. So moving on to page 288 now. Uh, it's it's a larger image. It's just it's one item, and it is uh, the 1977 early bird certificate sealed originally sealed. So this was you know essentially the the first uh, toy that was actually or the, or the first um, item that was in stores for people to purchase um, because the toys were not ready um, for Christmas or for the holidays, and um, it's very rare to find one that is actually still sealed. Uh, this one is graded, and it's uh, it was given an eighty plus. Yeah, these things are awesome. A very underrated piece. I see that the market's I think catching up to the significance of this piece. Um, usually, the high end of this was ten grand. Um, that was for a really really good example, like an eighty five or equivalent. Here we've got an eighty plus. You know, good shape, and they've got the range here at ten to twenty thousand. Um, I think we're probably going to be somewhere in the the lower part of that range just because it's an 80. If it were an 85, I think we could see closer to that, you know, middle of the range to the high end of the range. But um, mm-hmm. I love this piece. It's, I'm a sucker for history. Um, the earlier in the line, the the more I like it. So this this is right up my own. Yeah, this sure. is uh, something that should be in every serious collector's collection, in my opinion. This is where it all started here. And you really don't see that many show up, especially ones that are sealed and graded like this. I was at a collector's meetup um, at, a, at a friend's apartment, and we were taking part in a, in a raffle. And he was basically pulling tickets out of a bag and you know reading it, and which, whichever number he called, a person would win a prize uh, that was donated. And it was a really special and nice event um, because it was in an apartment. It was there was very you know uh, less room to move around. And one of my friends had gotten up, and as he got up, um, he accidentally backed into um, one of one of the cabinets in the room that held some really rare pieces. And on the top of the cabinet was one of these early bird certificates that was graded and and um, and encased in acrylic. And it's st- we we've just we watched it, and it just started to wobble back and forth. And all of a sudden, it disappeared behind the case and fell. Mm probably you know mm. six seven feet down and and just and the and the case just cracked and i give my friend a ton of credit he <laughs> he paused for half a second and he blinked and then he said okay where were we and he just reached in you know into the bag and pulled out the next oh item so I, I think he dealt with it later but yeah we i mean we all held our collective breaths for a while and then it just it it wobbled and and, and fell right off and and uh and the case just split so wow but fortunately, the the uh, item was okay, oh, still intact. That's all that, so. that matters. <laughs> Plenty of acrylic to go around for for a regrade. Absolutely. But I I want I want to call something out on this one. Um, to me, like that the painting there of the twelve figures is such an iconic image. Um, it's the guy that painted this is his name is John Hamm, not to be confused with uh, the actor who the actor from Mad Men. Um, but his name's John Hamm, and for for years he you know he he thought he had this piece in his in his uh, files or whatever, but it just never was able to find it. Um, he doesn't know what happened to it, so somewhere out there is the original, and it's just a shame it's it's lost to time because it's just such an iconic image, and this item does a really good job of just showing it off is it is it the exact same used on the 12 backs i believe yeah. it is it, I, I just really wish you would find that piece because 
Um, it's just such a great image. I have to tell you that the only thing I don't like about this piece is that the early bird certificate package logo and then what's inside of it is labeled on the front and um, it covers half of, of John Hamm's beautiful image. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, it's gorgeous piece. It really is. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, they talk about this piece in marketing classes to this day. Um, you know, I, the, the guy that is, I guess there's two people that are given credit for this, you know, Bernie Loomis and, um, Ed Schiffman. Um, but you know, there was a, an anecdote that I heard, I'd heard in talking to Ed where this, you know, kind of took uh, the, the the world by surprise. And then I think Cuisinart might have done something really similar to this right after this release because uh, the demand for Cuisinart, it was new, kind of uh, coming to mass for the first time, and they were trying to keep up with demand. So they, they might have done something similar to this. Um, but anyway, you know, people still talk about this to this day. And the, I just can't wrap my head around why this isn't a part of everyone's collection. Um, so anyway, I hope this goes for a lot. I think it's a really cool piece. Um, one of the coolest pieces that you can get in my opinion. And it would be, it's one of those pieces that you're right. It needs to be in the spotlight more, um, because of, of, of how historic it is and just, um, and, and really what it means to Star Wars fans and Star Wars collectors. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Flipping the page, we are on page 289. And uh, it's it's another mm. single item. It's to me mm. a very um, a very iconic uh, and likely yeah, big ticket like item, uh, one that will be talked about. Uh, we are looking at the twelve back A Luke Skywalker with a DT saber and a, a skew on the stand. Now this is a showstopper here. This is uh, so we get the twelve A, and then I think it's safe to say the most carded Luke DTs are the 12C. Um, the theory is they had some stock left over from redeeming the, the early birds. Uh, not all the early bird certificates were redeemed. Very, in fact, a very small percent of the total production was, was, uh, was redeemed. So they had some leftover stock. And at the time, you know, 12C was the card back that was the most readily available for them to, to make the, the mocks with. So, uh, to sh- to have one turn up on an A back, um, and with a ninety bubble grade. I mean, look at that bubble. That thing is immaculate. Um, and then yeah. plus, and then this, the figure's tunic is white. Yeah, and then pl- you know, you get the skew stand. Uh, stock skew stands for stock keeping units. So, um, the and an interesting side note on the skew like skew stands. Uh, we spoke with one of the folks that was responsible for testing and he had a bunch of the qc samples and like the qc sign-offs of the 12 backs um he had i think one of almost every 12 back character the ones that he had from cater factory all had the skew on the stand all the ones he had from the the unitoy factory universal toy company factory uh did not have the skew so that tells me that the the skews originated out of that one factory, the skew stand. So um, I don't know why they did that. Uh, it doesn't really make much sense to me. But, um, you know, they, they only did it for this limited run here. And it, I think just originated from that one place. And they likely would have been produced at the same time, correct? 
from the different factories. Uh, yes. Yes. So it was just a, a, a choice for that factory. Um, yeah, I don't know if they were, I don't know. The stands are color coded with the card back. So like they, they should know just based on that, which, uh, figures they go to, but I don't know why they felt the need to put those skews on there. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense from, uh, any angle that I could tell. But anyway, back to the piece. I mean, it, so far of the pieces we've seen, this is, you know, the, the historical part aside for the, the early bird, this piece is, is the, uh, the showstopper for me. If I were creating the catalog, I think I would have put this one on page 287 instead of 289 and had it because the way, you know, you're coming off of looking at, uh, the Mego planet of the apes figures and, and, um, and some alien stuff at, uh, toward the bottom on page 286. And then as soon as you get into the star Wars stuff, there's no real announcement for the star Wars items. And a lot of times they would usually lead off with something like a rocket fet. So to lead off with this, I mean, this is truly, and I can't get over how beautiful this Luke is the card back, even though it got an 80, um, it's unpunched. Mm-hmm. There are no price stickers on it. I mean, it just, you know, there's maybe a little veining, um, on, on the bottom corners, but other than that, I mean, it just looks yeah. immaculate. It's this gorgeous. Is, this is great. It looks like they're doing some kind of maybe chronological order here where you got pre-production and then you got the early bird. Then you got very, very early production piece here with this Luke. Right. Um, so yeah, I, but yeah, that I agree with sense. you like this, this should, should have been the lead piece from, from what we've seen so far. Uh, looks like on the range for this one, I'm going down here to my handy code, thirty-five to fifty thousand. Um, so the market on just a twelve C eighty DT Luke on card. Um, you know, Jordan had that famous post on Facebook. You know, twenty call it fifteen, twenty sixteen. He had it was Jordan. Yeah, Hembro. Jordan Hembro, the toy hunter. He posted three for seventeen thousand a piece. And sold them all within like what a couple hours. Um, that like set the market for these pieces, and they've been kind of hovering around kind of that a little more um, over the years, just because mm-hmm. they don't turn up too often. Uh, a little bit more for like the the twelve Bs are probably the rarest, then twelve A, and then twelve C. Now twelve A skew that's in a league of its own. Um, I can see this piece. Again, it just depends on kind of what else is in the auction. But if this is the best piece, I could see it, you know, blowing past that 50. Wow. I'm going to put, I'm going to draw a line in the sand here. I'm going to predict with buyer's premium, this piece goes for 60,000. Oh my gosh. And I think that would actually, that would either tie or beat uh, the previous record for a Luke, which was um, from the Russell Branton collection, I think in two, 2017. And that was uh, a carded 12A Luke that was graded at a 95. And I believe that that sold for somewhere around $50,000. And that might have been before the buyer's premium. That is correct. Yep. I think you are correct on that. Uh, I think there were a lot of people were doing some speculating in toys. Um, and I think it was purchased by someone that probably wasn't. Uh, you know, didn't have their their finger on the pulse of the market. Um, this is mm-hmm. a completely different piece, in my opinion, and right. Um, just that ninety subgrade on the bubble, unpunched. This thing is just uh, mm, I love it. Yeah, absolutely, it's gorgeous. 
Um, would this be something that you would be interested in taking a stab at? I'd need a 12-pack Luke. I don't have one. Um, probably not. I, I would probably just like a nice 12A uh, single telescoping. Um, okay, well, that brings us to our next page, uh, page 290. Oh, we are looking at a 12A Luke, and it is a single telescoping saber, um, but it also has the skew on the figure stand. And it's graded at an 85 with all the subgrades, which are the card, the bubble, and the figure graded 85s. Mm. It's nice. So we have uh, 10 to 20,000 on this one. That, you know, given what we just talked about, uh, where the market is on this piece, you know, 12 Cs are going for 17 to 20. So I have to imagine that a straight 85. Even though it is punched with the price sticker, it has the skew on the stand. Um, uh, what does it have it in here? We got in ten to twenty thousand for th- uh, that seems a little steep to me. Don't you think? Uh, I could see it. I could see it going in kind of like the the lower uh, range. Yeah, or the I could see it going for like the, a lower price in that range in the lower part of the range. Yeah, I do too. So 11, somewhere around 11, 12? Yeah, I think that's probably about right. Um, I know they got the whites, the, the whites uh, footers are in high demand for Luke just because there's so few of them. Uh, skew footers, again, it's Luke. Uh, that'll drive the, the price up compared to a normal 12A single telescoping. So, yeah, I think that's probably about right. Okay. Page 291 continues uh, the Luke Love. Uh, it offers a, a 12A Luke Skywalker. Um, this time, this is a Taiwan version with dark pants. And then there is a 12C Luke Skywalker um, that is a, uh, it's a, it has a 32 back sticker. So it's a 12C back. And then they, uh, Kenner basically slapped a 32 back uh, sticker on it to continue uh, to extend its longevity. Uh, and uh, and introduce um, new characters as well too. And then underneath that we have uh, two bends, twelve A bends, uh, one with a skew on the figure stand, and uh, one that just is listed as having gray hair. Both are graded at eighties, and then a twelve back A R two with a skew on it on the figure stand. So we have a, a number of of skew figure. Uh, Carded figures. Yeah, to someone looking to get into the, you know, create a skew run, this is a great place to start here. That's never been something that I've been too interested in, so I, I'll probably stay away from these. But, uh, mm. you know, I, dark pants, Taiwan variant, Luke, thirty-two by a lot, a lot of variants here. So I know that you know there's a lot of folks out there chasing these variants, especially in the twelve back. So uh, these could mm. these could get up there. And what's nice is, you know, especially on this page, like these are high demand variants. Um, Hakes ran into, I think, an issue in 2019 in the in the winter of 2019. They had listed uh, a whole bunch of different variants. Um, so, you know, I think there was like four or five, six different carded examples of of one particular figure, and I, I think it took away a little bit from um, the uniqueness or, or you know. Like if if you see one 
uh, you're more inclined to bid on it. Uh, with this, I, I think this seems to be kind of the right amount because each one is different, and yet we're we're not flooded with you know a number like five or six of the same character. Yeah, this is. Uh, I have no idea what the market is on on the thirty two bags, so I just looked here. It says uh, K thousand to two thousand on the Luke thirty two back sticker. That seems kind of low to me. Um, that seems like a regular Luke twelve back price, maybe even a little low for that. So, um, yeah. It, now this is great at seventy five. That might pull it down a little bit, but still, these are incredibly rare. Um, I, one of my biggest regrets. I I'm, I'm a Luke collector, and I I passed on a thirty two back Luke in I think it was twenty thirteen, and it was somewhere around twelve or thirteen hundred dollars. Mm. It was on eBay, and it was uh, I believe graded straight eighty fives. Mm. Um, just a, a gorgeous piece, and it was one that I. It was a lot of money at the time. I was hesitant, and uh, I, I just by the time I decided what to do, it, it had sold, and it was you know over the course of you know maybe maybe an hour. Yeah. So, okay, so flipping on to page two ninety two now, um, Matt, I think you saw one that that seemed to catch your eye here. No, I just like the way these Meccanos look. Uh, the, these men on cards. I like the square cards a lot, but these uh, the twelve backs just. Of all the foreign to the U.S. cards, I think these are probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea what the market is on these. I don't get into the the non-U.S. stuff, but let me take a look here. Twenty, where are we at here? So this one is uh, it's an R two D two. It's a twelve back A um, Meccano. Uh, so so where where did the Meccano um, carded figures originate from? Uh, Meccano was French. So they, um, this, this one here, 2179. So L, the range on this is two to 5,000 for a graded 40. So that, that tells you the, the demand that these, that these pieces have with the Meccano. Um, this is a graded of 40 and still expected to, to see between two and 5,000. It's just such a clean mm. look. Um, the R2 card back, it's one of my favorites. And then um, I, I just like the way that the racetrack looks with the, the French. I'll screw them. I'll, I'll completely butcher the, the, the pronunciation, so I'll even try. Um, but it's just <laughs> such a it's, – it's, it's a clean look. It's, it's got that scissors in the top left where you can cut out the uh, – uh, I don't know what that says. But it's, it's so different from the U.S. market. Uh, I don't know. I just, I've always been really drawn to the aesthetics of those. Mm. And it looks like the contrast on the image of R2 is slightly different, slightly darker as well, too. Yeah, it's uh, going down on the dark side, R2. Okay, and then rounding out this page, because th- th- we had a, a 12-back A R2 that was made in Taiwan, a 12-back C R2-D2. Um, uh, the 12A is graded at a 60. And then we have, uh, we have a 12B C-3PO graded at a 75. And we get to what I, I think is really one of the, the nicer pieces that we've seen so far is a 12-back A, a Princess Leia Organa, graded at an 85. Uh, the, the card's punched, um, but the figure looks really nice. Her legs are slightly red, 
Um, and that's what happens with a lot of these uh, figures, either white plastic or white painted. You know, they, they tend to um, to redden. Um, but uh, but this one's just it, it really is a gorgeous piece. Um, yeah, there's the infamous black limbs Leia that's out there that was being passed off as a prototype in the group several years back. If you remember that? But yeah, these are notorious for their degradation. Um, it's it's hard to find just a 100% stark white Leia, especially on the 12 back. It's um, I don't know. I would imagine you know, fast forward 50 years, uh, the various shades that Leia is going to be in. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so now skipping ahead to page 293, it actually looks like there is uh, one of the whiter Princess Leia's that we've seen. I, I don't see any sign, really any sign of, of reddening. Um, yeah, that's pretty nice. That might just be the image, but it, it is you know, really nice. Um, so it's a 12-back B that's graded a 70. Um, we're looking at mostly right now the 12-back Bs, Cs. Uh, there, there's a beautiful... 12 back a Han Solo with a small mm-hmm. head. And then underneath that, uh, there's a 12 back C Han Solo with a small head. Um, and the 12 a is graded in 80 and the 12 C is graded in 85. I mean, as far as the 12 backs goes, there a better card, uh, photo art than Hans. I mean, that's just so iconic, such an iconic pose. I, I, I think I might have to bid on this one here. This, uh, 12 C it's very rare, not rare, but it's very, uh, unusual to see a, a 12 C, Han with the small head, um, just because they made that change yeah. you know, fairly early on in the production run. So uh, straight 85 unpunched. You still got the gun taped to the bubble. This thing's a uh, well, this thing's nice. It's gorgeous. I I will fight you though when it comes to um, iconic images. I, I I do think the Luke is more iconic, and maybe the Darth. Than the Han, but you're yeah. right. I, I don't think there's a more dynamic I, I, image I give, than, than the Han. I think the difference between the Han and Luke, at least in my opinion, the the Luke image is a reverse negative, so it's uh, not the true image as, as of Luke the way we saw him in the movie. Right. Yeah. So that you know, but it is an iconic image. Looking at the the setting twin suns. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but you're right. This Han is absolutely gorgeous, and if you are going to go for it, I mean, uh, yeah. So far, like this is. This is one of those pieces that really stands out, and the, the figure looks beautiful. The bubble's great, as you said. There's no price tag on it. It's it's unpunched. Uh, straight eighty five is hard to find for a twelve C with a small head. Now it says the the range here five to ten thousand. That seems uh, seems pretty a little high. High. I'm not gonna lie. It seems a little high. Okay. I, yeah, I agree. I, uh, I'm hoping it's more towards the uh, maybe eighty percent of the low there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. No one okay. else bid on it. Just yeah. pretend like you don't see it. <laughs> bid on that 12A. All right. Now we're on 294, and uh, there are two characters on this page. We have three Chewbacca's on the top, uh, 12A with a skew on the figure stand, uh, a regular 12A, and then uh, a 12C. And then we're looking at two Jawas. Uh, a 12 back A with a square bubble and a plastic tray, and then a 12 back B. Uh, the 12 A is a 70, and the 12 B is an 80 plus. Two things strike me about this page. The first one, there's no carded vinyl cape Jawa. That's usually a staple here at Hakes. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting that they don't have one here. Also, no rocket bed. So that's two kind of tried and true items that we don't have here. But, uh, even more uncommon than the the 
carded vinyl cape Jawa is the cloth cape Jawa on the 12A. Um, this one here has got the square bubble plastic tray. So this is, as far as variant collectors go, this is one of the more highly sought after items here. Uh, it, mm, it diff- a very rare combination. Yeah, you don't see them pop up too much. So uh, it is 70. Um, you know, if you're not a condition snob and just need this to kind of fill out your run until you maybe upgrade down the road, this is definitely a good stand-in piece. Twenty-one eighty-nine. So we've got uh, K is the value range one to two thousand. That seems low to me, but it does. Yeah, you know, even if even but at a seventy. It, yeah. Right. I do wonder though how many collectors are aware of how rare the cloth cape Jawa is on a twelve. That's why they got to listen to these you know podcasts, I mean? bro. Absolutely. We are raising the prices for Hakes auctions. <laughs> uh, okay, page. 295. Um, on the top left, we have a 12A Sand People, and it is carded, unpunched, graded at an 85. Next to it is um, a oh wow, another Darth mm. Vader. It's a loose Darth mm. Vader with a telescoping saber graded at a 75 plus. Interesting. Now, loose standard action figure Hong Kong, regular production telescoping saber. So it looks like the value range on this one they have here at uh, five to ten thousand. Seventy-five. Yeah, I've seen enough of these DTs where I can kind of know what the difference between like a seventy, seventy-five, eighty, and eighty-five. This definitely looks like a seventy-five. Okay. With a seventy-five, you get a little bit of waviness to the the inner filament. and when you're talking about a 75 grade, it's usually never about the figure because most people know that you know you can you can pair a telescoping saber up with it has to be you know the correct figure, but you can you can really get you know the nicest example. Right. Yeah. I mean, 99 percent of the value here is on this this saber. Good example. I mean, for 75, um, you know, and the saber's nice yeah, too. It, this is a, a good piece to get for someone that wants a, a nice DT Vader, but doesn't want to, you know, spend twenty twenty five thousand. This is a good uh, good stand in until maybe you can upgrade years down the road. But uh, great figure, love it. Now the 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 card art for Vader it's always driven me crazy. See, if his, is, is it just me or? Does the lightsaber, the light part of it, look like it's off-centered from the hole where the the, the, the light would be coming out of the saber? Or is, is that just me? Yes, it actually looks like it's coming out of the hilt. Yeah. Yes. And it's always driven uh, me nuts. So what we're looking at here, this is, and this is a gorgeous piece. This is a 12A Darth Vader, unpunched, no price tickers, uh, and it has the skew on the, stick, on the figure stand, and it's graded at an 80. Yeah, this is this is nice. Seventy five card. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I can't really tell why. I'm sure that it's. It looks like there's a little bit. So there's um where 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 uh, stores could either put a price sticker or would write in the price. There's a little white box up at the top, and it says price underneath it. And um, it looks like there might be some residue there. Uh, there could be. There could be some damage or, or you know some veining and stuff on the back, but I mean, it really it displays beautifully. Yeah. Great piece. Another skew. 
I wonder if someone had a full run of skew figures and maybe just sold it off or something. Cause it seems like we've had quite a few characters with the skew on the stand. I don't know. Mm. It'd be curious as we progress here to see if uh, every character is represented. Uh, yeah, we're yeah, close. I don't, I don't think there was a Han or a three PO, but um, well, so on, on the next page on two ninety six, there's a twelve A stormtrooper with a skew on the figure stand, graded at a seventy. Uh, it looks like there's a little bit of wear on the on the top of the card near the price uh, tag, and um, yeah, there's another one where the the limbs are usually kind of hit or miss on these twelve bags. Um, I think. I think though the even though it's a seventy, um, I, I think the the price range and the estimate being a thousand to two thousand dollars, I think is very low. Um, we we've seen a number of these sell on eBay recently, and I thought they they've been selling more in like the you know two to two to four thousand dollar range or two to five thousand dollar range for the the uh, figures with the skew on the figure stand. Yeah, it's just such an evergreen character. I mean, it's stormtroopers basically in everything. Um, I, I, I would imagine that the collectability of that figure is going to going to maintain where maybe some of these other characters might fall off, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that does seem pretty low. Hmm. So now, uh, page 297, we are getting into the, the final, uh, figures for the 12 backs and we have, uh, it's actually the final figure. We have, um, the, the death squad commander. So, yeah, so there wouldn't be a skew stand on for the Death Squad commander, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Him, Jawa, and um, Sandperson, because uh, they came. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that those exist for those characters. I don't think I've ever seen yeah. one. No, so it might have just been for That's the first. Because those were like kind of like the, yeah, you know, they had nine core characters, and they kind of added those three, you know, kind of um, just to kind of round out the twelve. But they. Those three definitely were um, kind of planned later than the than the mm-hmm. others. Um, but then just kind of going down here now, the twenty backs with the Fed offers. I, uh, the interest in these figures has really spiked over the last several years. Um, I had a full run and broke it up to make another purchase, and I've been kind of slowly piecemealing it back. But some of these characters are hard to find, like a Power Droid in a really you know no stickers, unpunched. Um, 80, you know, straight 80 or better. Those are hard where the bubble is intact yeah, too. Those are hard to come by. So they got a couple mm. power droids here. Both have stickers. It looks like both are, are, are punched. Probably won't be interested in, in bidding on these, but, uh, the, the, uh, interest in these will definitely, uh, be there. Cause I, you know, people that have, you know, come back, come into the hobby, kind of the first thing they gravitate to is the 12 backs and they complete those. And then this is kind of the next logical step. Um, But, you know, with the Boba Fett interest, you know, I don't want to say an all time high, but definitely trending towards, um, you know, with this show coming out in December, uh, there's going to be a lot more interest in that character, even more so than there is now. And it's already really high. So I think that these are you know, you're going to start seeing maybe not 12 back prices, but, you know, pretty close on these, these 20 backs with the, the fed offers. I have a feeling that most of these will, will surpass their estimates as well too. So they, they seem to be in the estimate of 700 to a thousand dollars each. Uh, we're looking at a 20 back H Greedo graded as 75, uh, death star droid graded at an 80. Um, 
Death Star droid is a 20 back D, and then two power droids, a 20 back F and a 20 back G, both graded at 80s. So I, I do think they will surpass that that um, that estimate. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked, even though all of them either have sticker or some sticker gradu left over from someone peeling it off at some point. <laughs> sure. Okay, now on page 298, Matt, we are finally here. We have our first Boba Fett. It is a 21 back B Boba Fett graded at a 75. And uh, as you said, I mean, right now, I don't know if there's a more popular character in the Star Wars universe than Boba Fett. I mean, Fett. there's so much to like about this item. I mean, it's a good character. It's the card arts, you know, top five in the line. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's at the height of his popularity with the show coming out. Uh, this particular carded figure the demand on this has shot through the roof over the last 12 months, ever since he was in Mando season two. So um, I, I, I would not be shocked if this piece blows past its estimate because, you know, people are putting yeah. buy it like, you know, reverse deal of the day. We'll pay $15,000 for a really nice carded example of Boba Fett. Um, mm-hmm. Like th- this is the piece to get. I think this is the estimate on this is five to ten thousand. Um, if you were to take a, a, a rough estimate, a rough guess, what would you say? So seventy-five. So it's got the gun is come. It's, it's very common to have the gun kind of fall off the the bubble with this character. It looks like this is the case here. Um, mm-hmm. It's so common that I don't think it it detracts like it does in maybe some of the other figures out there. I think you're um, right. Yeah. Another. Uh, this is 12, 21B. Uh, 21A is the the more scarce of the two. Um, but even even still, this piece is, I, I think, uh, what did you say the range was? Uh, five to, five to 10,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a good range. I, I, would, I wouldn't be shocked okay. if it went, you know, 12, 12. 13, 14, sure. somewhere in there. And, you know, if there's two people going after it and they just really want it, then, you know, who knows? But um, I'd be curious to see what a 21A, 80 or 85 would go for at auction. Um, I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling at some point we'll, we'll be seeing one of those soon. Um, next to the Boba Fett is, is a really interesting piece that I almost overlooked. Uh, it's the it's a 21 back a R5D4 graded at a 75 plus, but as it says in the in the on the tag, the right rectangle is filled, so it's it's what we normally call a red bar R5, um, which means that if you're looking at the at the figure uh, on the figure's right side, uh, there's a little rectangle that's usually white. Um, it, it has a black border, I believe, and, and on the inside it's white. And there were a few of them that came out of the factory where the red right the the right side the rectangle was was filled in in red and they're heavily desirable among collectors uh it's been one of these variants that people really started to get turned on to uh maybe about five six seven years ago and now i mean you know they're commanding heavy prices um yeah i can't see or hear red bar and not think of ross bar like i i just (laughs) i I just you know uh, subconsciously think this is the Ross bar variant, <laughs> but now this is, you know, to, so, you know, to your point, I know there's people out there that, um, that are trying to get as many different iterations of Ross bar as possible. 
and you know, uh, please see Brian Angel. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully he's going to be all over this one if he doesn't already have a twenty one A. Brian Angel is one of one of the premier R five D four collectors in the world. Uh, he has a storied collection and. He might actually have this piece, but you're right. Who knows? And if he doesn't, he'll probably go for it. Yeah, he's the cat's meow. I love mm. Brian. <laughs> Brian, we love you. Uh, shifting to page 299, Matt, again, we have another Boba Fett, carded Boba Fett, a 12 back, uh, sorry, a 21 back C graded at an 80. Yeah, the C's fall in between kind of the 21A and B in terms of scarcity. So usually these command quite a premium when they pop up. Um, this one here looks like the range is five to ten thousand. Same thing as the twenty-one B. This is going. It should blow past the the uh, the twenty-one B. This here, it's graded eighty. Uh, the the gun again appears to have come off of the bubble. I don't know what the heck kind of tape they use, but. It must have been the the Costanza wedding invitation glue that they used on the uh, on this piece, but very few of these pop up. So I think you you you're probably going to get two three folks that are really going to want to add this to their collection, and I think this is probably going. I'll throw a number out there. I think it'll probably reach fifteen thousand. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you think it could reach seventeen? I wouldn't shock me. I. I, I, I okay. Who knows with these auctions? Again, I don't know what all sure. we still have to to look through, but you know, I of the pieces we've seen so far, I think this is probably you know top three or four. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, usually when you get sense. kind of those top you know five or ten percent of the the auction items, um, that's where you kind of see the the prices go a little crazy. So um, sure. I, this definitely could kind of fall into that range. And it's a great example, even with, you know, the, the blaster coming loose from the side of the bubble. I mean, it still looks absolutely gorgeous. The figure looks fantastic. Um, I love the free secret Star Wars action figure sticker. You know, it's that red and yellow kind of sunburst uh, sticker on the front as well, too. And it just it fits the card. It's a really colorful item. Um, really nice piece overall. Yeah. Yeah. And here. We, yeah. Next to it, we got a uh, we we're talking about first shots earlier. Here's a Greedo looks like. I remember, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, um, when it came to first shots, Greedo was, um, I don't know, I don't want to say one of the more highly sought after, but um, one of the more popular ones for sure. And then so many have come to the market over the last, you know, five years when people, you know, started realizing what first shots were and there were people that were collecting them. Uh, They started coming out of the woodwork. For whatever reason, the Sears Cantina aliens uh, have shown up in in the most quantity in terms of all the the first shots that have turned up Uh, this is obviously one of those characters um so it's uh, the the supply is definitely um higher than than those of kind of the the other first 21 first shots out there really of any of the first shots of any of the lines uh be curious to see what what this piece does you know Five years ago, this this would have probably sold for, you know, seven to ten thousand, maybe a little bit less, you know, six to nine, somewhere in there. Um, but just kind of with the 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 influx in supply over the last few years, these have uh, kind of come down a little bit. But um, we'll see what what they think here as the estimate. 
L. You got uh, two to five thousand. That's that's. I think that's appropriate. I think it'll probably get right yeah, in the middle of that. And this one will be interesting too because the Hakes catalog goes out to people who maybe aren't on eBay and aren't on the Facebook groups and seeing a lot of this stuff turn up. And if it's a character that they, you know, that, that a person grew up, you know, playing with and, and, um, and the fact that they could get a, a prototype that might increase the, you know, the, um, the end result as well, but it is going up against, as you said, the, the being a more common first shot that, that does appear. So, uh, yeah, that, that one will be fascinating to, uh, to follow. Um, yeah. And underneath him, we got, uh, the quote unquote rare blue snaggletooth. This one's an 85 plus. So this is a really nice example here. Let's see what the uh... the blue snaggletooth is really interesting because it is one of the figures that has increased the most mm-hmm. in price over I would say the last year, mm-hmm. um, where you have examples that are maybe in like a, an eighty grade that are selling close to a thousand dollars. So this eighty five plus really could, and and I th- I think I would put the blue snaggletooth um, alongside of an item we were talking about before, you know, a, a vinyl Cape Jawa as being one of those production pieces, um, that has become a staple, uh, or, you know, a desired piece, uh, for, you know, for almost every collector's collection. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it's a, it's a conversation piece for sure. Um, you know, the, the, the folks that are out there putting their loose run together, this is, you know, this and the yak face or kind of the, the Holy grails is just kind of that standard, you know, however many hundred, hundred and two, whatever that number is of the kind of the the uh, commonly accepted run. So this is this is something that I think has the one of the probably the most appeal of any of the auction items. It just spans a, a larger interest range. And I don't think it it's I don't think people are wrong to put a lot of money behind it because it is getting harder and harder to find ones that are truly worthy of an 85 or an 85 plus grade because the body discolors. Um, this is a, a character that is notorious for having, uh, you know, paint loss on the boots and the belt and the hands and the face uh, and the back of the head. So, um, you know, to, if you are, if you need a blue snaggletooth for your collection, I mean, this is really, you know, next to a 90, this is, <laughs> this is an, an ultimate piece. Yeah, this, this will, I think, go past the uh, the the estimate here. I think so too. It'll be actually interesting to see which one sells higher uh when you're comparing the loose first shot Greedo graded at a 70 mm-hmm. and the production blue snaggletooth graded at an 85 plus. I think I'm going to so. put my money on the uh Yeah, I'll go with the the blue snag. I'm I'm in on the blue snag as well too. I think I think it's going to be. Uh, I don't even think it's going to be close. To be honest with you. Um, okay, moving down to page three hundred. So the first one, and and this is this is one that we don't see too often. Um, Snaggletooth figures are are hard to find in pre-production form, and uh, this one is an engineering pilot prototype. Um, it's graded in 80 plus and it is the red snaggletooth. Yes. We were talking about the difference between, 
aged and unaged samples. This this is clearly an unaged sample. That's what that U stands for. So it's got a U on his right foot and an 11 on his left foot. So what they would do is they would, you know, for the age testing, they would put figures in an oven. I think it's they would set it at 140 degrees and they would, you know, bake it for however long, an hour or so. And then they would pull it out and take it out and that was supposed to simulate X amount of years. And if it still passed all the tests after having been aged, um, you know, then it would, you know, go on to the next stage of testing for, you know, the, the other various inputs they would need to hit. So, you know, pull tests and things like that. So, uh, of the, the EPs that have turned up snaggle tooth, red snaggle tooth has turned up, um, not, not in as many numbers as first shot, Sears Cantina, but, you know, maybe like one step below, you know, quite a few of these have turned up. Um, I turned two of these up in one find about, I don't know, four or five years ago, and then another two a couple of years ago. So, wow. yeah, it, I don't know how many are out there, but I, I've seen at least six or seven, and I, I, I'm sure that there's, you know, plenty more out there. Um, I, the interest has come way down on these over the last five years. You know, this used to be a, you know, several thousand dollar item. Um, I, I would be shocked if it, if it went much past a thousand. Okay. And Hicks has the estimate, uh, ranging between 2000 and $5,000. Yeah. I, I don't know this for a fact, but I think I saw one sell on like 850, something like that in an auction. Um, this mm-hmm. my, you know, a couple years ago, I don't think the, the demand or the supply has really materially changed since then. So again, I, I could be wrong, but I would be surprised if it went much past a thousand and it might not even get that initial bid. Who knows? We'll see, but I agree. Yeah. Uh, but again, though, you, you know, the catalog is going out to, uh, to people all over the country and, and, you know, different parts of the world. And so you never know, you might have that one person that's been desiring, uh, as close to a pre-production piece as possible um, for you know for one of the Cantina aliens, and maybe they go for the the red snaggletooth. Okay, now we're on page three hundred one. Three hundred one is really interesting because it has two really important mailers. Oh, look at that! All right, we got uh, what's that? That's a sealed FET mailer, huh? Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm always kind of torn on these because they display terribly. I mean, you know, a it's just a stupid white corrugated cardboard box or whatever, and then you know it's it's always got someone else's address. You know, <laughs> That's you know true. I don't think I've ever seen anyone that has like their own one from their childhood. So, uh, um, anyway, this is a, you know again we're kind of that. Uh, the the cresting of the the FET popularity. I have a feeling that show is just going to knock it out of the park, and and FET interest is going to be at an all time high. So, again, won't be shocked if this blows past its estimate here. Um, there's there's not that many around. You know, kid, kids got these back in the day, and they couldn't wait to open it up. Um, you know, they had to wait, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks for this thing to come in. They had to collect the five proofs of purchase, and um, you know. I, unless you got two or, you know, three, I, I, I just, it was hard. It would, it's hard for me to imagine kids not opening this up. 
Yeah, and this one, I mean, it, it looks like it's in good condition. It's graded as 75. I would say it, you know, definitely displays as a 75. Um, the estimate is two to five thousand dollars. And um I could see it hitting, you know, the the high end of, yeah. of that estimate. Yeah. It, a number have sold in kind of the two thousand to twenty five hundred dollar range over the last, you know, year and a half, two years. Um, again with that the Fed tax being bigger and bigger as we get closer to the show, yeah, I definitely can see it gravitating to that three, four, five thousand dollar mark. Um, now, do you think this one will sell more than the next piece? Uh, the next piece we're looking at is one that was graded by UKG, which is a UK grading company. Um, it is, it's essentially the Boba Fett mailer, but uh, it's been opened and then it's been displayed by UKG, where it has uh, the booklet. Um, the uh, the sheet that came that that mentions uh, Boba Fett, uh, the bagged figure that's still sealed in the bag, and then the mailer box, and so that it's in a beautiful display. It's graded at an eighty five. If you had to choose between the two, which one do you think will sell for the higher price? Now, is this the large or the small catalog? Is this a small one, right? I believe it's a small one. Yeah, the larger one's definitely the the more desirable. I can't tell with the scale here, and it doesn't mention it on the the label. If it's the small one, I would think that the sealed mailer would go for more. Um, I just wonder in this case, though, I, I have a feeling that the um, that the the opened and displayed one graded at eighty five is going to sell more, uh, sell for a higher price than the um, the one inside and sealed in the mailer box. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, you get a figure that grades out in a ninety. Um, paint 85 so it's a good figure um 85 grade yeah it wouldn't shock me you get a 75 grade on the sealed one i guess it just comes down to you know the sealed being so much more scarce than the open small version if it was the large version i think it would blow past the the mailer but um you know it wouldn't shock me i i I think they've got these valued at this in kind of that same two to five thousand dollar range and you Mm -hmm. know i It'll be close. Okay. Page 302 certainly has a lot of interesting pieces. Um, we have a, a Hong Kong loose Boba Fett figure graded at an 85, and then another Hong Kong loose Boba Fett figure graded at an 85. This one has the light green chest, which I believe is the earlier version. Um, next to that, we have uh, uh, a graded sealed 12-inch Ben Kenobi graded at uh uh, 75 and that's the the large size action figure now this, this is and, where i got a book i got a yeah. bone to pick with hakes here <laughs> or maybe it's not hakes it's they're they're doing their th- it's the people sub- why would you submit a 75 sealed ben or a you know graded carrying case to hakes like why wouldn't you just sell that on ebay or something because the the sealed Ben action figure, like the, those large size action figures, have been skyrocketing in price recently. Yeah, I don't know. It, to me, it just doesn't seem like an auction item. But I don't mm. know. Well, and you know, to find a a Star Wars vinyl carrying case—that's the case that I think we all had. That rectangular case with the beautiful painted image on the front, sealed and graded. This one's graded an eighty. Um, they're really hard to find. Yeah, you know, especially in condition like we'll, that. We'll see what it, what they have to offer. Usually, I, I in these Hakes auctions, I see just like Return of the Jedi, like eighty 
yellow bubble Lobot on car, like just stuff like that. Like, why would we? Why would you put those in a in a Hakes auction? I don't know. That's just a pet peeve of mine. I'm probably the only one that feels that way, but it just always seems strange when you've got Rocket Fett and yellow bubble Lobot on card in the same auction. <laughs> I like that though, because I, I think Hakes, when they, when they have their auctions, they do try to represent almost every character, every piece within a line when they can, especially for something like star Wars where completists, you know, will go crazy. Um, I'm one of these auction bidders where I like to try to find a piece that is maybe away from the spotlight, say like a Lobot, <laughs> a yellow bubble uh, lobot and uh and we'll often target those so um but i also think too you know it makes it makes the auction available to everybody you know where you know for people who maybe can't afford uh, a carded fet or you know any any of the the prototypes they can go for something from empire strikes back or you know especially return of the jedi where the price points can often be lower um, and and they can walk away from from you know an auction and and take part in the excitement of bidding and and uh, and and claim a, a Star Wars item for themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know you disagree. No, totally. no I, I, like I said, I'm probably I'm in the minority here, but I don't know. It's just a pet peeve of mine. Sure, I understand, and it does take a little of the spotlight away from you know, or, or the the, um, the 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 page space away from uh, from some of the the you know bigger ticket and cooler rarer items. You're right. Um, speaking of rarer and cooler items, we have at the bottom of page 302, we have the 1979 shelf talker display the the star Wars toy center one. Um, and then next to it is a gorgeous bell display. It's the 1978 Kenner star Wars, 12 action figures bell display. Um, that's, that's, that's such a great piece of all the, of all the gorgeous, the, Store signage and POP, like that's probably my favorite. I, I dig the toy galaxy and the toy center stuff, where it's just the kind of the real big ones that came out at the very early uh, the, the onset of the line. But this one's got the figures, and um, you know, I know people that have the the photo the, the photography examples of the figures on here. It, it, wow. It's just it's to me this is my favorite. I love that the figures yeah. are on there. Yeah. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. I, I think, and I, I would say, I think this bell is just one of my favorites of all the items that we've seen thus far uh, within the catalog. Yeah, this is, it's just such a great display, but so iconic. Those figures are just, that's mm. first 12 are so great. Moving to page 303, we have another beautiful display. Uh, this one, to me, seems to be one of the more desirable, but also one of the more common ones as well, too. Yeah, it's got Fed on there, so it's going to command a premium, even though it's you know significantly less uh, hard to come by than than the twelve back we just or the twelve uh, bell we just looked at. But man, it's just it's a money shot right there. That's so good. <laughs> this is the Collect All Twenty One Action Figures nineteen seventy nine Bell Hanger Advertising Store Display Sign, graded at an eighty plus. Um, it, I have to say these bells, when they are cased in acrylic, they display beautifully. Um, there's something that it kind of, the acrylic gives it sort of that museum quality display. Um, I've seen people display them where uh, they put them in a frame and then they have them matted as well. Uh, and that's, that's a, a gorgeous way of doing it too. But, um, right now we're looking at a two to $5,000 estimate for this one. 
What do you think, Matt? Does it go over or under? My extent of my knowledge of this market is um, zero, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm the wrong person to ask. I have no idea. I think because it has Fed on it, I do think it's going to go toward that $5,000 uh, estimate. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Just right now, you know, again, uh, you have people bidding from all over the world, and someone is going to see this, and they're going to get really excited by it, and um, you know, uh, it's it's understandably so. And um, yeah, I think uh, you know, again, Boa Fett is is featured on it. You do have all twenty one of the original figures, which you know, those twenty one figures mean so much to so many people, and I, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I think it. I think it'll sell somewhere upwards of of around five, maybe six thousand. Wow. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all because it's got the Fed on there. I could see someone that's just kind of getting into, you know, the hobby. Um, this could be like the centerpiece of their collection. And yeah, I could definitely see that. Okay, so if you said you you know next to nothing as far as the bells, uh, I know next to nothing. Um, on these remaining three pieces on page 303. Uh, we are looking at an R2-D2 stuffed toy store display bin. So it's the bin where all of these cuddly plush R2-D2s would, would sit, and then people would come and would purchase them from this display, uh, graded at a 70. And then we're looking at uh, the one that actually caught my eye is the, uh, the die-cast um, land speeder, from from 1980, and uh, it's a first shot prototype. Yeah, it's missing the uh, the windshield. Not a big deal. Um, yeah, I I don't know what the market is on these. I've seen a few pop up here and there, but never really saw a sold price. A lot of mm-hmm. the stuff trades behind the scenes. The Darth Vader Tie Fighter on the card. I, um, is that? Let's see. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think that's the. It's not the prototype. No, no, it would have been labeled as such. No, I, I right. There is a prototype version of it that. that yeah, it, that uh, is in the that market. Was super popular 10, 10, 15 years ago, and it's just the, the the price of that piece has kind of stayed constant. This one, I I really don't know too much about. I don't collect a die cast. Okay. The display is beautiful, though. Um, yeah, I've I've, I've been a. Um, I don't know. If my buddy Rob Doherty, he has one of these in his collection, and it's full of uh, the the stuffed R twos with the, the tag still on. So it's exactly like you would have seen back in the stores in the day. And it's it was such a cool little shot of nostalgia to walk into his collection room and see that. Hmm. Yeah, it's always nice when when someone who collects or has a focus, say, in something like R two D two, is able to get one of these displays and then to fill it as well. Um, yeah, it's a great piece. Great piece. Ooh, this next page, two, th- page three hundred four. <sighs> yeah, these are so hard to find in good shape. And here in eight eighty plus, ooh, Millennium Falcon, Star Wars box eighty plus, and it's the original nineteen seventy nine Falcon as well too. The box looks gorgeous. Yeah, the I guess the Russell Branton one sold back in whatever it was. 2017 that was an 80 this is an 80 plus that one sold for just under 20,000 uh i gotta think an 80 plus this thing will you know hit 25,000 
the range, the estimate range is 20,000 to 35,000. Yeah, mm. that doesn't surprise me but at all, man. It, that's a gorgeous piece. There's a lot of really good produ- production items in this in this auction. That seems to be the kind of less kind of home run prototype items, more just really high end production pieces here. Hmm. We have some more high end production pieces on the next page. Uh, this one is we'll call this the vehicles page. So we have. Uh, the Landspeeder with no LP logo, graded at a, an 80 plus. Um, uh, the X-Wing fighter with no LP logo, graded at a 50. And then, and then we have um, another X-Wing graded at 75. Um, that one's not even. That's not even sealed. No, that has a Q grade, which means it's been opened. Yeah, I'll just. Uh, this is my. Yellow bubble lobot here. Uh, <laughs> you got the Tie Fighter that's down there at the bottom that's been opened. It's a seventy, and it's not sealed. Like, okay, I digress. We'll move on. Oh, okay. So these Vader Tie Fighters. This one's sealed seventy five. Those are incredibly hard to find sealed and in good shape. I, I could see this one kind of taken off. Didn't one sell in like eighty or eighty five condition for some ridiculous number? A few auctions. Ago. I think it sold. Yes, I think it sold somewhere in like maybe like a twenty three hundred dollar range. No, but that twenty three thousand. Oh, really? Okay, I was thinking of of the one the uh, the collector's edition. No, no, one, this the collector's is, series. This one's one. from you know whatever seventy nine. Right, like the original. Is, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you're right. Was that a Vectus auction? Maybe. I don't. Really, I know what you're talking yeah. about, though. There was there was one that sold for uh, an absurd amount. I think of money. it was an 85. You just never the 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 box and the and the the inserts just always made for it being in rough shape every time I picked one up. I've never seen one in person in really as good as, as 75 shape or better. Like these are incredibly mm. hard to find in good shape. So I could see this one commanding quite a premium here. And the estimate on it is five to ten thousand dollars. So yeah, you might be right. Yeah. It, this one will be an interesting one to watch. Um, there's also the Droid Factory, a sealed Droid Factory at the bottom of the page, and you know, just another one, another hard one to find in great condition that's still sealed. And this one's graded at an eighty. Yeah, I I need one of these. I know the guy that you know, Tom Troy. He was the guy that came up with this whole concept and. You know, he's a good friend of ours, and uh, I, I need one of these pieces uh, in, in really good shape. So I might might have to put a bid or two in on this one. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that's a, a, a bad choice either. It looks beautiful, and the, and the box looks great. Okay, so that finishes up page 305, and uh, page 306 now starts the Empire Strikes Back section. So... Uh, Matt, if you would come back for part two, uh, we'll look at the second half of the catalog and, uh, we can go over empire Jedi and everything else beyond that. Sounds like a plan. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for joining me tonight. And, um, I look forward to, uh, to talking more about the Hakes auction with you. Absolutely. Had fun. So that was part one of a conversation with Matt George about the Hakes Auction Catalog number 233. 
We've seen some great stuff in it so far, and I can't wait to see what's waiting for us in part two. If you'd like to read Matt's book, the one he co-wrote with Stephen Ward and Gary Borbage, called Engineering an Empire, you can go to his site at engineeringanempirebook.com and purchase it online. Also, a quick reminder about the Hakes Auction. Auction 233 is right around the corner, with Part 1 ending on Tuesday, November 2nd, and Part 2 ending Wednesday, November 3rd. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of Star Wars Prototypes and Production. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with a friend, and please leave a review. Leaving a review of this podcast would help me immensely. These reviews not only help to give listeners an idea of what the podcast is like, but it also serves as a good indicator as to whether it would be worth their time as well. And on top of that, it also helps algorithm-based platforms to recommend prototypes and production to people interested in finding new audio shows. And if you enjoyed this one, it's likely another Star Wars fan may enjoy it as well. So until next time, get those bids in, and I wish you all the best of luck in the Hakes Auction number 233. See you for part two on Star Wars Prototypes and Production.